You have to be more consistent. We get this question all the time. Stop paying for the expensive masterminds. They don't work. No, 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 you're overcomplicating it. It's so much easier than that. Okay, here's exactly what to do. And how to do it. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm Corey. Welcome to the MCO Advisors Podcast. In this episode, we talk about directly reaching out to prospects, how advisors can make money while growing their brand, and the difference between marketing, branding, and sales. So here's my first question. Does reaching out to someone who doesn't need your help weaken the relationship and your chances at earning their business in the future? Give me some context. Give me an example of that. So when we're thinking about marketing in terms of providing value over long periods of time, then hopefully people come to you. Do you think if you reach out to Sally and say, hey, maybe you don't say, hey, do you need to get, do you need a phone call or, hey, I'm, I'm an advisor. Do you need my help? Uh, do you think doing that is worth the sale that you get in the end? Or do you think it damages the relationship with Sally that your marketing would have done for you? Uh, I think there's no perfect answer to it. I think it's how you approach Sally. Um, I'm amenable to anyone reaching out to me in any line of business. Uh, It doesn't matter. It's how they approach me. Um, And and we see it every day, Um, you know, as a marketer, as, 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 as we venture into this business, people see our titles and they try to sell us things. Um, I react to one to Steve different than I react to Jane. And that's just the way they approach me. Um, and, and I would say the same thing to any advisor. If you approach Sally with the intention of giving Sally value and, and having a conversation with Sally and not selling her, Sally's going to be amenable to that conversation. If you approach Sally like 99.9% of everyone does with the sale in mind, Sally's going to have her guard up from the beginning. Uh, we're sold to all the time, 24-7, especially in the digital age. You, you, you cannot avoid being sold to right now. And uh, people who, salespeople who um, are failing to recognize how to approach someone are, are missing the mark and they may be shutting that door forever. Yes. Uh, so it's how you approach Sally. So what do you think you should do to approach somebody? Do you look at their profile to see, see how they are? Do you think you just, just try to be more general? What would be something you would say as an advisor just to get somebody's attention and to show them what you can do? Here's what I would do, right? Let's just say, for example, and I, I, I can't speak to the law and you know different things that are taking place in the taxes and whatever, um, but let's just say, for example, there's a tax change that comes down from the president um, Tuesday right, of next week, and it becomes effective on October 1. Um, a terrific reach out is to all of your prospects and don't go to sell them, but provide them context on the new law and how it may affect them and leave it at that. And, and then, then put them in some sort of a follow-up um, you know, I don't want to use campaign because it gets tossed around as like an ugly sales tactic, but put them in some sort of a follow-up program where you're actually reaching out to them um, and, and making sure that you're just providing value. And that can be through a newsletter. That can be through one-on-one communication. Hey, Sally, it's Corey at, you know, so-and-so wealth management. Um, you know, you may have seen that this new law came through and is effective on October 1. I just wanted you to know this is how it may affect, um, you know, your current situation. I like that. And the reason I brought this up is because when I talk to other younger advisors, we're trying to, especially like myself, this is a question that that I would have had. This is a question that came from me. It's something that came from a conversation from me talking to uh, another another 30-year-old advisor like myself, which was you don't want to seem either too needy or you don't want to seem salesy and you're trying to earn everybody's respect. So you almost go to the other end. But the other side, like you're saying, is I think it's important that advisors know they have to make money. So that brings into the big topic of like, what are we doing while we're waiting for these long-term value things to play out, which is you're saying is without even posting it on your page, maybe take some of that content that you think applies to them and just send it directly to them in a message. Yeah. And here's the bottom line. I mean, I, and, and no one wants to hear this and I'm, I know, you know what, what I'm about to say. Stuff takes time. And uh, especially, you know, I shared this with an advisor literally last week, and I think uh, his reply to me was snarky, but he, he knew what I was saying was the truth. And people, one, are really slow to move 
uh, they, they move like a glacier when it relates to finances. Um, so if you're trying to get a new client, um, someone who does not work with a financial advisor, to start working with a financial advisor, that's a big jump for them. They're not comfortable with that. They're not sure that they need an FA. Um, and if they do need an FA, they're not sure who to trust and who to, who, to, who to turn to. If you're trying to convert a client who's currently with an FA, it's an even taller task because you're asking them to break the trust or relationship that they've built. And you're, you're trying to break in there and, and show that you're a little bit different. So both of those scenarios are very slow moving. And the only way for you to build that brand equity and that trust with the person you're reaching out to is through these slow, steady, value-added commitments to them. And unfortunately, that just does take time. And uh, you know, we can dig into some different ways of, of getting people's attention, which I'd love to do, um, but it's a slow game and, and building trust takes a while. And uh, we all know that in our day-to-day, -day. You know, I always break down all these business conversations into the way we deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. It takes a while to trust somebody, right? Your first impression might be great, but if, if I sense a little sleaze, if I sense a little too much sales, I start to think about what your end game is, what your goals are here with this relationship, right? It takes a long time to, to trust somebody. And uh, when you're talking with people's money and uh, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, um, it, they, they should take their time with it. So uh, FAs need to be respectful of the time it takes to, to build trust. Absolutely. I always say that too, is like, think about what you're asking for, you know, posting on the internet and hoping somebody with a bunch of money reaches out to you to work with you is asking like a lot of somebody. So you yeah. have to be doing a good job and consistent and they have to see that, that whatever they saw from you that caught their attention, keeps their attention for a long enough time. I think everybody's so used to, you know, what is it? Seven, eight rejections. I would guess nowadays it's it's got to be what fifty rejections or something in somebody's mind before they really want to grab onto somebody. And maybe they like you, but in terms of working with you and and earning their respect, I think it's just a constant not yet kind of thing. Let me see how it goes, and then you know for one reason or another, maybe you say the thing perfectly or you say the same thing three different times, and then it catches their attention. Yeah, that's I mean, why it takes so long. Especially given the amount of volume that that people are attempting to create sales with, um, yeah, that that. Um, barrier to entry is, is much greater today. And again, I, I bring it back to just our day to day. Um, you know, if a guy wants to, if I know I need new gutters on my house, right? Something totally innocuous in this conversation. I need new gutters, 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks. Um, it's a lot of money, but it's not life changing. And, and uh, you know, we're not going to be out of the house if we commit to the wrong person. Um, I still am taking my time with that decision when I bring in three people to give me a quote. Um, you know, even that uh, a, pr a purchase like that for a couple grand on rain gutters, um, I'm debating who I trust and who I like and who gives me kind of the better feeling along with the price, of course. Um, but just decisions like that take a while. So let alone, uh, you know, moving your, your net worth to a stranger, got to respect it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it kind of leads me into which is something we already touched on, but I wanted to hit another question that I know everybody wants to know, which is how can advisors make money while growing their brand? So I think one of the things that comes with brand is opportunity. Sometimes it can lead to um, a, a webinar where you're a guest, uh, pre-COVID speeches in a room, maybe post-COVID back to some type of speeches, or maybe you're just doing something virtually, but at least it, it puts you in front of people. Maybe people don't reach out to you directly, but you know it takes a long time for all those things to happen. So what can advisors, uh, what, how can advisors make money while growing their brand? I have some ideas, especially as being a young, a young advisor of, of just doing what we talked about, earning the respect of somebody, especially who's double my age, who's about to hand me all their money, uh, takes a long time. So as the marketer, um, what would your suggestions be to an advisor while you're allowing these things to take place? Boy, that's a tough question, Ryan. Um, how can an advisor make money while growing their brand and building their business? Uh, you know, off the bat, I think you could provide an entry level service to folks that is, um, has a lower barrier to entry, uh, you know, that could be financial planning, putting together, um, you know, 10,000 foot uh, financial plans for people that that might cost them a, a couple thousand dollars and get them feeling like 
they've got their ducks at least in a row, but they don't have an active management or, or they don't have an active management relationship with you. Uh, but it's kind of a one-off, give us what you have. We'll take it. We'll iron, you know, kind of, uh, build a port, build a financial plan for you, right? That just shows kind of where you're, wh- how diversified you are, and, and where things sit. Um, so that's one. I think two is one that everybody would, you know, number two is something that everybody would love to do, which is be a guest speaker and, and be paid to, you know, give their advice to a collective. Uh, without having in-person events, you've there's half of that market is completely gone. And uh, without having half of those, you know, without having live events and half of that market being gone, most FAs should be doing that for free. So to think that you can command uh, money to get in front of a group virtually and give them advice um, is going to be a tall order. So Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued how you're going to answer this because I do not know how advisors can make money while growing their brand. I, I think that's a tough one. No, but that was your answer was like, it was really good. It's exactly the avenue I was going to go down. And especially um, at least being behind specifically even the LPL framework, I can say that they had something called advice pay where where you're allowed to take credit cards now and you can, uh, you know, take monthly fees. And I think it's still busy in terms of grabbing paperwork. I think it can still be, can still be a little bit difficult, but in terms of um, doing something like this, like a, like a subscription service or at least doing one-offs, that very low barrier entry where you have to give somebody value, but you're also making money. I think that it's also still going to be hard to do, but it's going to be a lot easier than you um, expecting the AUM model to work out as quickly as possible. Assets under management is hard. Moving money is hard. And I love the idea of everybody should really go through a process anyway, in my mind. So the plan should be the thing that I would say everybody should charge for. And I would say you start as cheap as you can and grow until somebody says no, but you have to understand that people are going to not going to be flooding through your door. So I would keep the price as low as you can handle and understand that you're providing immense amount of value and that this business, nobody, nobody cracks in like three years or like four years, unless you're really talented or you start somewhere else. You know, if you're, if you're doing it on your own and, and somebody's asking you to write down a list of a hundred names, you got to understand that, that one person in your family or friends may, may reach out to you, but you know, pity sales only go so far and it hurts you in the long run. And it's just, this stuff really does take time. So you have to accept, I think, where you are in your job, who you are, how young you are, and what you're asking for. You know? um, I think a service like this, uh, 25 bucks a month, and um, you're providing a lot of value to folks, uh, but you don't have to necessarily commit your entire life to it on a one-on-one basis. Rather, mm-hmm. you can have conversations like this and speak to the collective take in questions, address the questions specifically to your clients and the members within your community, uh, put a podcast together like we've done, a video, live stream, add a newsletter to it uh, weekly that summarizes some things that are taking place in the market and price it accordingly that uh, people are uh, willing to pay. And and right there, you'll start building that trust. That's brilliant, Ryan. I'm uh, two thumbs up. I'm, I'm annoyed. I didn't come up with that first. That's, I mean, I'm struggling like everybody else. So when, when we started building this, it's the first thing I thought of, maybe, maybe I'll do it. Uh, and the reason is because I have a lot of friends too, who are like, Hey, I'm going to sit down with you or, Hey, I'm going to do this. or they want a free meeting here and there, but I, and I'm, I'm just helping them out. And realistically, they'd be proud. They'd be happy to pay me 50 bucks, you know, to call me once a month and say, how am I doing? Hey, can you check out this, this thing I'm doing at work? Uh, I just switched jobs. You know what I mean? Just to have the peace of mind of having somebody there, you know, whether you want to call yourself like and put up a bunch of content and call it the Netflix of finance or grab anything. It's still about the idea of that low barrier of entry of people trusting you. And then when they reach out to you one-on-one, I can say, I can always say, Hey, this is really complicated. This is going to take us a lot of time. Um, And this might be something that warrants a financial plan, you know, and then you're moving people through your tiers, but you're always making money at the lowest one. There's a couple things that I want to touch on that you mentioned there uh, before we move on to the next one. Um, A lot of advisors may watch this and immediately think, call bullshit that compliance would never allow it. Uh, There's a way to navigate it. So don't be scared off and say, you know, that's that, that totally wouldn't work with compliance. It will work with compliance. You just have to be, you know, mindful of it and navigate it. The second thing that you touched on that I just don't want to let go 
quite yet is pity sales. Um, that's tough. I, that doesn't feel good to me at all. Just thinking that I'm sure, um, you know, you have some different thoughts around that. Uh, and I don't want to judge people and I don't want to, you know, make people feel a certain way, but to think that I would start in the business and basically assume or, or rely on the fact that I could get assets under management, grow assets under management by, by using family as my foundation. I know that's tough. It has to be tough to, for young or, or, uh, advisors breaking into the business. So, um, that was just something I'd love to pick your brain about. We can talk about that later in the show, but pity sales, man, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like something I'm interested in hearing more about because it sounds a little uncomfortable to me in terms of just having to build a practice, reaching out to family members to, to be your initial clients. Can you imagine the people who care about you the most and you started this new job three weeks ago and you, and you're studying because you're taking this, this test, you know, if you're taking the seven, it can take you three months. You study real hard. And then you can do literally whatever you want. If you take an insurance test, you can take that yeah. in 10 days. That's how long it took me to pass that test. Yeah. Take it in a week. Uh, then you can be working for an insurance company and move money into products. You better know, in my opinion, what you're doing before you reach out to the people you love about supporting your career. If I'm starting a landscaping business and I cut somebody's favorite bush in half, I can plant another one and we can deal with that. Like, but I was never comfortable of reaching out to people and shoving them in products that I was just getting to know that I counted on some manager to help me hit some level. It's just, you know, it's that to me is not worth it. Think of another career where, where you step on your family members to get going. I mean, if, if you're, if you're lucky enough to get somewhere with somebody you trust and, and somebody who can guide you, then, then that's something I believe in. That's something I did. My, my, my impression. That's why well, let's, I did let's, that. I'm with you, Ryan. Let's not, and I want to be careful. I don't want to judge how people have built their practice or are trying to build their practice. There may be people out there that are. I do. Right out of, <laughs> right out of the gate, it might be great, but that just is tough for me. I, I'd rather work with uh, you as an advisor, you folks in the community and within our community to help you grow your business organically let's let, let's market this thing and and make you a strong financial advisor create a strong brand and people come to you that's when it feels good when people come to you that's a win yeah there's just there's too many stories about people who i feel like left something that took a little bit of their soul to get there and it's 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 never and i've, I've heard it a, a lot it's something in the industry of why i believe in what we're doing why i want to push brand and why I want people to put out more content and I want good advisors to put out more content and share more good advice. Can you imagine if instead of headlines and all these crazy things popping out that will emotionally like invite people to make bad decisions, it was just endless, like calming, strategic, like factual advice that was actually getting through because social media was flooded by all the advisors who did nothing but put out good content. That's the world that I see and something that I, I believe in in promoting this. And the only reason I bring that up, something that's I think is going to happen by, you know, by doing that and pushing that on everybody. The reason I love what we're doing is because um, so few people, so few advisors are taking advantage of it and to do it in such a way where we can offer it for such a low cost and such a low barrier to entry and just be consistently telling you what to do and how to do it. Um, that's why I love this program that we're building. Um, and, and I do, I, I see such an opportunity for advisors out there. We're not even in, you know, we're not even in the third or fourth inning of this, you know, advisor internet thing, right? This is the, the internet. The world is changing so fast right now and it's going to be different going forward. And, and, uh, you know, corporate business as usual is not going to look the way it did in April or in February last year. So um, advisors who, who take this thing by the reins, grasp onto it, accept it and believe in building their business through the things that we're teaching and, and talking about, I, I, I see the sky being the limit. Yeah. 
And and I know this is going to sound weird to backtrack, but I want to go back to the one thing, which was the uh, the monthly service that we were talking about. As far as I know, every time you're collecting payment, the most annoying thing could possibly be a form that you have to fill out and uh, something that the, that, the, that the person you're working with has to sign. Yep. But other than, and I know that sounds like a headache, but the, but before I'm, and, and I don't want to botch it, but the quickest story I can tell is diapers. I think diapers.com. I watched on this, uh, a Gary Vee did an interview with, with this guy who did diapers.com and he actually went, went up going to supermarkets and yep. actually buying diapers and selling them and losing money just because he knew diapers.com would work. So sometimes what you're doing seems really hard and doesn't make sense, but you get through the BS because you're going to be the one who comes out on top when everything smooths out, when compliance eases up and everybody gets used to monthly services. There's third parties that are able to track these things and things start getting easier as I felt it get easier really over the last five years. I think people think it's getting tighter, but I think with technology, it's starting to loosen a little bit back up and people are getting more comfortable. And I think you should be ready for when that time comes because that's going to make it easier for advisors to flood in. So get your foot in the door now and fight through the annoying paperwork and set yourself up. When you talk about the diapers.com guy, are you, and, and relating that to advisors, are you suggesting that advisors may think of a monthly subscription value add service like this and say, I've been doing it for three months and it's not paying the bills. Is that kind of where you're going with it? That, that they're not seeing the immediate ROI on it or it's not worth it. It's too annoying. There's too much paperwork whatever comes with it. But what comes with it is the business on, on the back end or the value added. Like you may not make money right away. Exactly. And, and as a matter of fact, you may not. So maybe that comes into charging $50 instead of 25, just so you can stay above water. But that's the hardest part about, I think, being an advisor is having to figure out how to make that money while you're waiting for the big business that you know is there. But it's it's also to say, um, if even if the money came to you, do you know what to do with it? So when you're really young and really starting out, that's why I push this monthly service because really you're going to be learning when people ask you questions. Do you know what separates? I mean, what separates the great or the really successful ones from the ones that change careers six times that that don't know what to do that are, you know, bouncing around looking for shortcuts? It's the work, man. And there's no other way to say it. Like you have to do the work and you have to stick with it. You can't try it for a month and give up or 60 days and give up or 90 days and give up. You have to see the value in it, commit to it, stay with it. And in time you will be the person. I've been posting on LinkedIn every day for like 230 days or something like that. So a lot of times I'll get questions on Ryan, how's your, how's your engagement? How do you get more engagement? How are you getting your views? Oh boy. Um, I have like, uh, like posts. Um, I just mentioned my son who was just born. Um, then a couple other ones getting like 50 some likes. And I have like, I have like 1600 followers just recently over the past week, I would say I've gotten a little bit more followers for some reason. It seems to be picking up a little bit of steam, but it, um, I have more followers than I have connections. You know, I made it, I made it a, an idea not to connect with as many people as I could, because I think if people want to follow me, they can follow me. If we want to make a connection, obviously for a reason, it's not like, I'm just not open to connect with everybody. Um, but it's, it's, it still is just moving. So when people tell me that, that they want the engagement or that they want to know how to get there, I'm like, you have to post every single day for 230 days and then let me know where your numbers are compared to, compared to when you started. You're going to have two likes. You're going to have three likes. And then eventually you're going to have a post that gets you a hundred and you're going to have 30 people like it. You're going to have more followers and some of it's, you know, choppy crap. That's just how LinkedIn is. Some of it doesn't matter, but a lot of people are new. A lot of people do care. You start seeing thousands, you start sending out to thousands of people instead of hundreds of people. And it really does, you know, make a difference. And I'm still going through it. So uh, people aren't knocking on my door, asking to work with me. People aren't offering me speeches. I've done podcasts. I've reached out and met cool people. I've done this. A lot of opportunity, I think, has come with it. But people need to understand like how long it takes. I do feel it working, but I'm sorry to tell you, you don't know how far behind you are and how much work you have to put in. So I think the immediate reaction to that from some might be, that's all well and good. My goal is not to be a LinkedIn rock star. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm empathetic to that. What do you... 
if your goal, if you're struggling to build your practice, your business, um, the only way I can teach you how to do that is through building your brand and being uh, widely known or widely looked at or um, accepted within your community and your network and, and people looking to you as that person. Um, and so you don't have to post like Ryan 300 or 230 days in a row. If, if, if you don't want, that's not what I think we're saying here. I think the point is, is if you want to build a personal brand, you just have to get going and be consistent in everything that you're doing regarding marketing. And that's being consistent on social, uh, being consistent through your email, you know, making sure that you're adding value, um, you know, your website, you know, all these different avenues of ways of getting in front of people, um, you know, podcasts, audio recordings, uh, you know, text messaging, however you're communicating with your end, you know, end audience. Um, I think the bottom line is consistency and value. Absolutely. And the hard work. That's all I was, that's all really, I was also letting everybody know is that that's what it comes down to is the best posts sometimes take five minutes, but they can take an hour. If you're yeah. fact checking and you're, you want it to be, you want it to be right. And I would say, um, if you're hurting your business, don't do that, you know, start putting out something quicker, but I'm just letting you know the work that I put in and the things that I've done to, to get to where I am. And it's just scratching the surface. To me, this isn't a thing that could take, was it going to take 60 days? This was a thing that was going to take me a year and a half, two years before people go like, okay, I want to talk to him. Um, I've proven myself, whatever that means to, to everybody else. You know, I'm letting that take place. I don't even care if like, if, if, if my post gets 20 likes or two, um, I mean, I've gotten to the point that I don't even give a shit anymore. Like when I write something that I like, I, I look at it and I like it. So like, I don't like, I don't mean click, like I actually, yeah, yeah. I, I like what I'm putting out and it feels good um, that I'm sharing the value in the world that I'm sharing. And I post, I, I post it and I walk away and I don't think twice about it. And the next time something comes to my mind, uh, you know, if it's, I, I put it in my notes app, if it's too, you know, I'm not going to post at 1145 at night cause that's just futile. Um, but I'll, I'll put it in my notes app and I'll post it the next morning or whenever these thoughts come to me. Another thing that everyone has to start thinking is stop creating content with the end game in mind. Just put mm -hmm. it out. Like right. stuff that you think is going to work doesn't work. And stuff that you don't think is going to work does work. Like yeah. it's just weird. It's the way it works. So yeah, I don't know. I, we could belabor this forever, but. No, you have to get over. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of like emotional like things to get through in terms of my posting where I feel like you have to get brave enough to, to speak your mind and put out opinions. Sometimes it's scary to put out opinions because people can disagree with you. And a lot of people can disagree with you if enough people see it, but it's, it's something you believe in. Um, you know, you keep posting and your consistency works. So it's not about, it's not about the, the vanity metrics in terms of patting myself on the back. It's just goes to show that more people are seeing it, more connections. I mean, these are people that, that are, are, commenting and stuff are people I've talked to either on the phone or through messages. Uh, LinkedIn, it's it's a lot It's a lot of work. All social media, it can be a lot of work, but it's worth it. I think it's worth it. And, you know, I'll be excited to talk about the end result. But for us to be like a decade into these social media platforms, there's so much noise there. You have to understand the amount of work you have to break through. So that's let's, the, tr that's the truth. Yeah, it is. And, and let's look at what you said there for a second, like, people might disagree or argue with it or whatever. Like if you put out what you believe in and, and you stand behind it and um, then, then that's it at the end of the day. Right. And on, you know, for some, they, they want to put out political things that they know are going to incite almost like fighting. Um, look, if, if that's who you are and that's kind of the route, the road you want to travel. Um, so be it, at least you believe in it. At the end of the day, you stand up for it and believe in whatever you're putting out there. That's fine. Um, I put out something, uh, God, like six months ago about my top 10, um, I've got to move my hands here. Uh, my top 10, uh, my top 10 kind of marketing mediums that I believed in. And I ranked them from, you know, one to 10. Um, I believe in them. I still do. I might shift the order of some of them. And I had someone, an owner of a um, physical products company message and get into the messages on me and made like three or four really direct, uh, messages that uh you know he he 
disagreed with me. Um, he said, I can't believe you left this out. Um, you know, what kind of marketer are you not to consider, uh, you know, physical products? Um, and what he was referring to was, you know, stuff like a water bottle with a logo on it, right? Uh, leave behind products, which, you know, I, I believe in those in, in a certain context and, and depending on a budget and what you're using them for, I believe in them. I, I don't have an issue with it. But the point was, I listed my one through 10 that I believed in at the moment um, that I stand behind and, and someone wanted to dig in and kind of fight for their right to have their products included in my list. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the way the world is. You have to be able to stand behind what you believe in. And I didn't argue with him. I, I sent him a message, you know, kind of a person, a PM, a, a direct message and said, I have no problem with, uh, you know, physical products, just a time and a place and context for them. Uh, but personally that that's how I feel. Um, so I, I, I don't want to continue to belabor this, social media point, but post what you believe in, post it consistently and add value. You're going to hear me say like the same, you know, six words, 132,000 times. Yeah. And I have a week and, I, and I've been thinking recently, like if you're not turning people away, you're also not bringing people in. So you have to like, in my opinion, when you make those stands, that's where people find value. They want to know what you think. They don't want a big fluffy statement. Anybody can post you know, a, a general consensus. But when you really put your, when you really plant your feet, I think that's when people are like, oh, I, I, I like what he's saying. It comes through in the text. Who you are comes out that way. And um, that's when it starts to work. Well, yeah, nobody wants to work with a, um, a half gallon of vanilla ice cream, like right. a dime a dozen, right? I, I want to yeah. work with someone that I believe in. They're, we're, are, yeah. we're, we're aligned. I, I, well, like the I know they believe in themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So, we beat the crap out of that, but that was a good one. Still, I think it went. I think it went where it had to go. Um, here's an even bigger open-ended question: uh, What's the difference between branding, marketing, and sales? The way I see sales is kind of an all-encompassing of everything. Um, I think the way the majority of people see sales is they go into something with that ABC mentality, right? Always be closing. Um, I, I have a meeting with Ryan at noon and uh, I'm not leaving that damn room until he's on the books. I think a lot of people see sales that way. Um, I see sales through stuff like what I'm doing now. I'm not asking anyone for the business. I'm just kind of out there telling you how I see the world and how I would work with you, what I would do, um, how I would do it and why I would do it. That's kind of the way I sell things. Um, let me try to answer your question more directly to people. Branding, personal brand, right, is the way someone um, thinks of you when you're not around. Um, so the personal brand you've built with your family is going to be a little bit different than the personal brand you built with your neighbors um, and your acquaintances at your children's school um, and your coworkers and your clients, um, all those personal brands are gonna be a little bit different, but at the end of the day, they're all going to have the same 60% core that makes up who you are, right? So I want every advisor within our community to think about their personal brand all the time because it's the only thing we have, um, especially in this day and age where you're not working for the same company for 35 years and then there's a nice pension at the end of the road. Uh, people are changing jobs consistently. People are getting let go. Um, the world shrinks, the world expands through the internet, the world, you know, things are changing. So at the end of the day, all we ha have is our personal brand. So when I think about branding, I think about my personal brand, who people think Corey Keating is as a human, who they think I am as a marketer, uh, a friend, a dad, a, you know, whatever, right? So when I think about personal brand, I think about it like that. When I think about corporate brand, I think about it very similarly. Um, are you building strategic wealth management under the guise of something that it's not? Are you trying to be a, you know, a, uh, the, a behemoth within the industry? Or are you being real and authentic to who strategic wealth management is? And it's a two person shop with, um, you know, 100 million under management, you don't have 100 billion, and you're not pretending that you do. Um, so where I'm going with that is brand is the perception people have about you and your business. Um, marketing is the activity you're putting in to build that brand. Um, the, the, the logo, the colors, um, the, the email activity, the social media activity, um, 
you know, the outreach, the all the things you're doing that build the brand is the marketing. Um, and then where I see sales is completely disappearing over the next 20 or 30 years. And um, if you're selling with the ABC mentality of always be closing, um, you're missing the boat. I think sales and marketing are making this this amazing mesh of uh, they're, they're blending together and the internet's doing it and, and transparency is doing it for us. And the options and the choices we have as consumers are doing it. And uh, the best salespeople and the best marketers are going to recognize that they're the yin and yang to each other. And they have a nice blend and they're not too aggressive. They're, they're selling with, uh, you know, value and, heart in mind um, versus selling with commission in mind. Um, so brand is the perception people have. Marketing is the activity of building the brand and sales is a is a blend of, of that marketing. Let me expand just for a second on me talking about, I see marketing and sales blending into this perfect yin and yang kind of thing over the next however many years. Um, this is a real story. Um, in my last role in the corporate world, I was the CMO um, of a, you know, a boutique mutual fund company. Um, we had, you know, 20, 25 employees. Um, so I ran the marketing and then there was another gentleman who ran uh, the head of internal sales, right? And we were pretty good together. We, we had a good relationship. Um, but as time went on, what I was seeing was the internal sales team was really struggling to get advisors on the telephone. And I think that's something that advisors can um, would would uh, agree with that are within this community that you know I, I don't need to hear from every internal within the industry like to shoot me an email. Um, so over the between 2014 and 2018, I would say I saw this massive shift where the internal sales guys were no longer making phone calls. They were no longer really receiving phone calls. It all became email based, right? So all of their outreach became email based, and many of them struggled to do what I would do, which would be to put the work in and create those one-on-one -on -one emails to people and add some context to each email so that it didn't look like a dear Tim comma. And it's the same email to everybody. Right. But these guys did that. Right. So I, long story short, they would just be blasting out emails to the entire advisor community, which you guys, the, you know, our clients here, you know, I'm sure can laugh about. Um, but on the wholesale side, so these, these internals would send out these emails they would start to come to me and my team for not only the email content, they would want the specific copy. Um, so what was happening, I was seeing is that my team started to create these emails for the salespeople. Uh, we'd write the copy, we would put in the imagery, we would link it back to the website. Um, and then we would have, obviously as the marketing team, we built the web page and all the things that we were bringing the advisor back into. Um, and then we put all that through compliance. And we had a really interesting moment when it was all of us in a room with some of the higher ups within the company talking. And I'm like, what the hell do we need you guys for? Yeah. <laughs> what are you like? Seriously, like yeah. you hand me your list. I, I could have my junior marketing associates just hit send. That's not a big deal. Like yeah. we created the content. We created the uh, the imagery, we created everything that it links back to. We created the website. We put it through compliance. There's actually nothing you're doing other than telling us who to send it to. So uh, when I think about marketing and sales, salespeople who don't respect marketing and see the world shifting towards a heavily marketing uh, biased world need to really be very careful about uh, their career and, and where they stand in it and how... Um, they're going to manage going forward because we easily could have eliminated maybe that entire internal desk uh, sans one person who could have stayed there to tell us who to send the emails to. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great story too. And I think when, uh, when I guess as an advisor myself, when I think about sales, it, it does get down to maybe the direct contact with the person but there's so much more to it than that when you don't get that direct contact anymore. So I think one of the things we have as advisors is our personality. So I think a lot of people feel good about being in front of people or talking to people. So maybe that's why everybody feels comfortable with sales. They actually have a hold of somebody, but when you're putting out content, you're throwing out emails, 
you don't know how to make yourself come through there. You don't know how to speak to people. It's it's the medium that changes everything. So I think, you know, the whole world is turning to marketing because you need to be able to get what your the, your ability to speak to people face to face needs to come out in text and video and audio and all these different places. Well, everything is marketing right now. Um, and And it's because we have such a short attention span and you know, it's a consumer based, you know, it's right now the consumers are in charge and I don't care. You could argue that forever, but the consumers are in charge and we have so many options as consumers that if not you, the next guy, and if not the next guy, I've got 10 other people in line that, um, you know, their product all looks so similar and their offering all looks so similar. So the differences that I have to choose from, um, are so minute that how you're breaking through means everything. And uh, if you're not executing from a marketing perspective, from a brand perspective, if you're not approaching sales in the right way, there, there's just too many options that that the consumer has to, to pick from that, that you're gonna lose. You just are like gone are the days of the cold call. You cold call me and, and try to keep me on the phone. I'm out. Like if I don't expect your call, I'm out. I'm done. Like I have too many things going on. I have kids. I have uh, you know a, a house to keep up. I've got a business to run. I have way too many things. Um, if I need something, trust me, I'm gonna find it. I do not need my phone ringing randomly at 5:45 on a Thursday to to sell me you know new windows. I promise you that. Um, yeah. And and I'm not alone. And I know everybody listening to me say this feels the same way. And I don't need you know my car warranty is not expired. That you know I you haven't been trying to reach me right. Whatever that new thing is that's going around. Um, so salespeople need to be put on uh, need to be on tilt about how they're approaching the consumer. This is a marketing and branding based world. And if you're in sales, you need to get your ass into marketing, into a frame of mind of how to market um, or you're toast. Agreed. Completely agree. And the reason I bring up that point of asking you that and, and pushing you to speak on that is because one of the things I think I've done after speaking on social media every day is learning how to speak, learning how to tell a story. And I think that stuff takes time. So if you can't hand it off to somebody, it's going to take practice. And I think the thing that's difficult is the same thing about getting up and doing a speech for the first time. You're going to stutter. You're going to fumble. You're trying to switch the PowerPoint. And it doesn't work. And, and you look weird and you maybe lose some sales because of it. You know, you have to, but there's a process to everything, you know? So I would say that's why we're so big on saying get started uh, because I think the world is being eaten by marketing. That's all we're going to have left as a brand and what people feel about you because there's so much noise. So you need to think about the fact that the, re the thing that we're fighting for is the craziest thing. It's to be in somebody's brain when they're not even looking at their phone or looking at anything. They're hanging out with friends and they have to talk about us. You know, that's the value that you're trying to bring. So you're getting their attention while they're looking at the phone. Maybe you send them a letter, whatever the medium may be. But the objective is to get somebody to think about you when you're not even there. And that's a hard thing to do. And it takes a long time. But it's so worth it because that's how you become that's how you become so powerful. Yeah, well, we call that top of mind. And there's very few companies that are able to become top of mind and then stay top of mind. Um, I'm sure Sears and JCPenney's and Macy's and uh, all the others were top of mind at one point and now they are not. Um, so to, to be top of mind is the pinnacle. And to stay there is almost impossible. But the goal is to, yeah, to, to be top of mind. When folks think, gosh, I, I just need to get my finances in order. I've been meaning to do it. You want your name to be what kind of pops into their head. I remember my aunt talking about Ryan. I, I, I should call. I don't know his contact information, but I know his name was Ryan. I should. Yeah, that's kind of where you need to be. Um, I get inspired by this stuff, man. It's people are sick of hearing about it, but it is the friggin' reps, like put the reps in and it doesn't have to be 235 LinkedIn reps. Like that doesn't have to be what the reps are. That's one of the marketing uh, channels that I recommend advisors 
take up and get very good at is LinkedIn and maybe, you know, Facebook and Instagram or, or some of the other platforms. I think advisors should be there and should be consistent in putting their marketing reps in on those platforms to build their brand. But building a brand, building a business today, it takes the reps, it takes the activity, it takes sticking with it. Um, I, I, I created uh, yesterday just a six or seven minute podcast recording, just me. Um, I think it's up on the up on the feed now. Drives me crazy. I get so passionate about it. I get an advisor telling me that I read an article that, you know, especially during COVID, that the world is gone. Um, you know, you need to have uh, the such an impactful internet presence and, and you need to have a better web presence. And da 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 da. I'm like, okay, like, you know, where are we going with this? And um, he's like, basically, LinkedIn is not working for me. Every time I post, I get no engagement. Um, it, I, I must, I suck at social media. It just doesn't work. Um, I, I really could use some help. And my guidance is so boring to these guys that, and it's just so boring to you guys, but it's the truth. You've got to start, you've got to stop posting with the sale in mind. Start posting with the value in mind. Get people to shake their head and agree to what you're saying. People are not going to social media or opening their email to be sold to. They're opening their email like they're opening their mailbox because it arrived and they're going to decide to delete it, keep it, or reply to it. They're opening social media to get away from deep thinking. Like no one's opening social media to learn about interest rates. Sorry, like that's <laughs> that's the way it is. Like uh, I don't know what else to tell you. So uh, put the reps in. One, listen to the podcast that's that's uh, on the um, MCO Advisors channel, uh, Advisor to Advisor podcast. I just left a rant there about that, but oh, I could go on for hours about this. It's just put in the reps, build your brand, do it through value. Yeah. It's the only way. It's the only way is to keep practicing, keep trying. Because I think, as you know, as somebody who runs a marketing company, uh, the thing that's also going to establish brand is when you find out what's special about somebody and how do you get that out into the world. And sometimes you have to figure out what you want to talk about or what you want to highlight. I've actually seen people on social media that are marketers or they're financial advisors or they're whatever, and they talk about absolutely nothing that has to do with their business. Not once have I heard about their business. I've heard sure. about I've heard about their, and it depends how personal you want to get, but it's about their kids. It's about how they feel about the world right now. It's about you know issues they felt with with their family. It's it depends what you want to get to. But I've seen people with very large followings that just put out simple thoughts and grow a brand. So one of the things I would say is decide what your brand means to you and don't think that you have to be somebody else's, you know, don't be so afraid um, of, of speaking your inner voice and, and letting it out. Dude, do you know what the easiest thing is that I just, just came to mind? Like you're an advisor, right? Let's just say advisors listening. Um, you don't have a newsletter right now. You let's just say you do not have a newsletter, but you do have a contact list. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be huge. Let's call it 20 people. You could email 20 people, email them every Friday, the same time, um, or, you know, I like Fridays. I'll tell you why in a second, but email them every Friday at the same time, include a handful of kind of, you know, two or three links about what's taken place over the last week that might be, you know, something they want to keep an eye on. And you can link it to CNBC or CN, you know, whatever, or you could link it to your website where you have a whole blog. doesn't matter. Link it to three things. Interest rates are looking like this. This new law may affect this, yada, yada, yada. So there's three links that people could look at. Then there's a message from you. So the email opens three links. The middle of the email is, um, you know, how, you know, a message from Ryan. Here's how I see the market. Da, da, da. Here's some things to keep an eye on. Talk soon. And then the bottom, because you're into fishing, is your fishing tips for the weekend. And it's three things, you know, as we head into, you know, mid-September, the waters are chilling. Typically cooler waters means, you know, the, the bass are biting in a different, I have no idea about fishing. I'm just totally bullshitting at this point, but it's specific to you, right? Yeah. And for me, it might be carpentry or sports cards because that's something that I'm totally into right now. Love this, by the way. Um, so so my, my whole point here is add value to your community, but be authentic and be yourself. So every Friday, I get an email that has a couple of links in it of news newsworthy things that I might want to check out. There's also my advisor sends me a paragraph of stuff that he is seeing and, and things that, that he wants me to think about. And then at the bottom, because he's into fishing, is he spends a couple minutes on, you know, a blurb about the current fishing environment. And, you know, I may or may not look at that ever, but if anyone ever asked me about it, I, I, 
you know, can tell them where to take their kids because he told me that this pond up the road is full of bass and they're biting. Um, it's, it's so easy to do this stuff. Just no one does it. And uh, that's just something that came to mind. And, and the reason I love Friday newsletters is because you become top of mind heading into the weekend when the recipient sees family, friends, other parents at soccer practice and whoever else they run into the last one of the last things they saw in the work week was that Friday newsletter. And I don't send it at five o'clock, but Fridays, I'm telling you, Friday newsletters are huge. Love that. That's great. Um, that's a great idea. And I love mixing. This could be a whole other podcast and I'll try not to drag it out too far because we're, 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 we're far in and obviously marketing can go forever um, and the topics can go forever. But one of the things I love about what you said was when you're adding in that personal thing at the bottom, um, I know firsthand when, 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 when I was helping with the newsletter, I started adding my own page in um, and we had the same newsletter list. And when you're doing that, I, I only put personal stuff in there. I wasn't, you know, not like annuity rates or things like that. I started telling stories. The stories that you tell are what people are going to ask you about when you talk. That is the relationship that I want with somebody, not how's my money doing? Um, I think when you when you really open yourself up and you think about marketing and I think about branding, what I think about is also strengthening the current relationships that you already have. I have friends that I've known for years who have never asked me about financial planning until I started posting all the time and posting videos and posting thoughts and posting target date funds and Roth IRAs and things and the triggering people. And they say, I have this. They reach out for questions that you don't always have to think of branding or social media or the things you're doing also as, as always grabbing new people. There are people who are already watching you who don't know what you do, didn't know you did that or how good you were or didn't know that they'd click with you until they saw it. So the thing that I loved about adding into emails and, and thinking about why do marketing if I'm not bringing in new people Share your videos with your current list. Share a little clip of you in that email or, or send it to people so it's personal. If nothing else, at least do all of your marketing for your current people to strengthen those relationships and provide them value. And you'll find that more money comes out of that than posting on LinkedIn and waiting for people to contact you. thousand percent. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, I don't have any more questions. Thanks so much for being here again. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, anybody who asks your questions, that, that's, that's some of the things we love doing is provide direct advice. That's how we're going to provide the most value. So do not hesitate to reach out to us. In info at mcoadvisors.com, guys. Send us your questions. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We hope that you find value in this show. We hope that you find value in MCO Advisors. You finding success through our $25 a month service means everything to us. If you found value in this show, please leave us a rating. Thank you all. Talk soon.